Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. What is good? Happy Tuesday. Welcome back for another episode of the Waffa Fills You podcast. If you are brand new here, hi, welcome. My name is Emily. I'm the host of the show. A little bit about me. I graduated college last year. I work full-time in sales, but I also manage this podcast. I operate my own custom figure skating dress business and blog and etc, etc, etc. You can find more on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog if you are curious. But before we begin, I want to share really quick, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, be sure to check out my career ebook on my blog. I know some of you who are going into your fall semester right now have recently finally purchased the book. Um, and I think that's super awesome because I'm so, so grateful to hear that the ebook has been helping you one way or another, whether that is preparing for interviews or looking for internships or just really shifting your mindset in how you approach your career especially since I think it has evolved over the past few years and decades and honestly since our parents have been in our position so I certainly just want to be able to share what I know and anything in my knowledge in this area and so yeah if you are curious, just be sure to check it out on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog. Okay, so today's guest is Maddie Chimber, and as I mentioned earlier, he is pretty much a social media turned real life friend, and something about me that I guess I should kind of put into context is I love very, I don't know, witty, but kind of just like stupid humor and it's it's definitely stuff that guys typically find more funny and I would say because I grew up with an older brother who is eight years older than me I've just always been very amused by the the dumbest things but um I would say for example I used to be super obsessed with Tosh.0 he just was so savage and blonde and just made things so funny so I feel like that's what always made me drawn to Maddie's content. But a little bit about him, if you guys have not heard of him before or have not come across his content on Instagram. Maddie Chimber is an up-and-coming stand-up comedian, writer, and actor based out of Los Angeles. He's originally from Connecticut, though, so East Coast like me, and he moved to LA to pursue his Master's of Architecture degree. While in grad school, he began comedy and since then has been touring the country while working as a full-time project manager at a construction company. His comedy ranges from observational and opinion-based to random banter and weird noises. He has been doing stand-up for nearly 10 years, spending the last four years touring the country opening for acts such as Drew Lynch, Jeff Dye, Chris DiStefano... I totally butchered that. I'm so sorry to the comedy gods, Um, but I definitely do know who that is. If you guys looked him up on Google, you probably do know him as well. Um, But in addition to performing at clubs all over the country, Maddie was recently invited to perform for the world-famous Laugh Factory on their Fresh Faces Showcase, which highlights today's top emerging comics. So this conversation overall was just kind of my classic, um, let me take you guys through the journey of your classic everyday guy who you know works a day job has climbed his way I guess up the ropes you could say and you know just has found what he likes and he doesn't like along the years and I think what I really like about Maddie is that he's just like all of us you know he has a dream he has a vision he has a goal on where he wants to take his comedy and whatnot and it's just like us where we also are doing a day job or doing something that's bringing in consistent income and I think at least for me personally it's a type of story I love to highlight because I see too often online especially amongst content creators and people who really have to utilize social media as part of their as part of their career or I should say side hustle is that 
we do have normal day jobs as well. We just make it work and we just keep pushing through. So I think Maddie has a lot of awesome, valuable words of advice in this conversation and just kind of sharing his journey through it all. And I think he's come a long way and has really grown well on his platforms. So if you guys love just some funny ass humor, definitely please check out his platform. And before we get into the episode, I will preface the audio was not perfect. This was recorded live. Um, However, I realized a lot of my live recordings in the past actually did really well. And I remember being super subconscious of audio quality and whatnot and I obviously don't record in a studio at least yet you know I think there's something beautiful about having imperfect audio or imperfect certain things and something I've learned from Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk is you know from listening from to his podcast his audio has been shitty as fuck in so many circumstances yet I still gain so much value out of whatever conversation he's having and pretty much most of his podcasts are like him having a conversation with someone like organically and then one of his assistants putting a mic under him. So I kind of like that in certain circumstances and I think this one was no exception. I just really like kind of the rawness of this and you know it's it's more so of the value of the conversation versus the nitty-gritty quality of audio because you know we're not perfect and I'm not striving to be perfect but that's what I really like about this so yeah just wanted to preface that but without further ado we're gonna get into the conversation all right well Maddie Chimber thank you for being here today being on the podcast let's dive into your background because I didn't really know this let's do it until uh, we first met today, but where are you originally from? And like, share like your whole backstory and then how you got out to LA. Well, Emily, thank you for having me. Uh, basically, I'm from Connecticut, grew up there. I don't know if you're, are you familiar with I'm actually from Pennsylvania. Oh, really? So I'm from the East Coast have as well. Have you been well. to Connecticut? Not that you I drove know. through. I uh, think um, going to Boston. Yeah, you took do you, do you cut through? Yeah. So basically, if you guys are listening, you know, Connecticut, if you, uh, I'm like 20. 15 minutes north of New Haven. Everybody okay. knows New Haven, okay. which is Yale. So, grew up there. Um, never cared for entertainment. And then, you know, sports, all that normal East Coast stuff. And then I went to undergrad in Boston for architecture. Where'd you go? Uh, Wentworth. So Wentworth? Wentworth. Wentworth. Basically, okay. it's a school, me, uh, us in Northeastern shared a campus. Oh. So, right, like, by the Prudential Center. I know Center, exactly where Northeastern is. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Went to school there for architecture, and then four years, it was great, Boston's awesome, and then I moved back to Connecticut for a year, and in that time, when I moved back, when I first got there, I worked at a day camp. I worked at a day camp through high school and stuff, so I went back there after college, and one of my coworkers did stand-up, and I've always been a fan of stand-up, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, in the East Coast, like, they don't you don't even think entertainment's an option. It's just a thing you see. So, mm-hmm. like, I always liked it, and I knew I liked joking around with friends, but it was never, like, something I was like, oh, you can do that. Like, every my mom's like, get a job. It's, like, just yeah. a standard go to school, get a job, work, hate your life, go on vacations. <laughs> like, literally, go on yeah. vacations, that's your fun, and then you go back to work. So, when I'm working there at the day camp, actually, one of my coworkers there was a, uh, he did, he did stand up. It wasn't that good, but... And then another kid I worked with was like, hey, you're funny. And I was like, I never thought I was funny. And he's like, you should try stand-up. So conveniently, I asked my buddy, I was like, how do you get into stand-up? And long story short, I met with him and his like stand-up mentor, which now looking back, I'm like, who was that woman? No, you don't have mentors. So uh, he got me on a show in Connecticut, or I'm sorry, it was in Massachusetts. So I tried it there for the first time while working in architecture and I opposites. like two polar opposite things. <laughs> so, um, while I'm working, I'm realizing Jesus Christ, I'm seeing like, I just like couldn't fathom working at like that office the rest of my life. And luckily with architecture, you need a professional degree to like get licensed. So there was mm. like a way out of like the working world for a little bit. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to grad school and 
again, stand-up was still just a side thing. I didn't mm-hmm. pick L.A. because of comedy. It just so happened to be that. Okay. So I'm applying to schools. I knew I wanted... I was like, I have two years to go anywhere. I want to, you know, get it far away because I can always come back. So mm-hmm. I picked... Uh, I applied a bunch of schools out here, but Woodbury and Burbank gave me, like, a good uh, uh, scholarship. Nice. So... Still doing stand-up simultaneously here and there. I was, like, realizing how hard it is. And then I moved out here, conveniently the best city for comedy, arguably, here in New York. And actually, when I first started grad school, I uh, went for a Master's of Architecture. But when I started, I took I didn't do stand-up for, like, six months, for the whole first semester. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I need to get my life together before <laughs> I just start, like, messing around. And then... Um, after the first semester, kind of, you know, got my feet under me, I started stand-up again. I went to a comedy club in Burbank just to kind of, like, scope it out and just got my feet wet in the open mic scene. And basically, you know, not to skip eight years, but from that point, I started working in architecture, you know, at a firm. Stand-up started getting better. And then a couple of years into that, I started doing freelance architecture while still doing stand-up. And stand-up is... I want to act like these big moments happened over the course of 10 years, but it's such a slow growing profession. So this was 10 years? 10 years ago, yeah. Wow, okay. I'm sorry, I'm like, could you give me No, no, I think, it's, no, I think it's awesome though, but yeah, continue. So basically, that was 2000, I moved out here in 2010, so let okay. me, uh, I've, I just missed over dates. <laughs> um, they're like, what, when does this take place? This is the 80s? No, uh, so yeah, I moved out here, uh, grad school, started stand-up, and then was like, I knew it's shitty because I, like, I didn't like... I'm telling two stories because I have my professional side and then mm-hmm. I have my comedy side. So realizing I like design and I like creating things, but architecture as a profession, I just didn't like it. It's okay. just like a bunch of fucking assholes, to be perfectly honest, who are <laughs> opinionated and shouldn't be. So left the firm, started doing some freelance stuff here and there. And then in 2014, through one of my freelance uh, clients, I met my boss now who's a general contractor. And he... They were looking for somebody with architectural experience and basically I was like, I want to get into that. So since 2014, I've been a project manager for a construction company, mm-hmm. just, you know, offices, you know, pretty good size projects, you know, 500,000, like a couple million, which is like a good size, nothing like crazy. But right. while that's happening, comedy being just like, it's such a hard profession where it's like, you just have to suck for so long. And even now, like I'm learning every single day, but it's slowly been just getting better and better and better. And it's funny when I started working there, I was supposed to go on tour with my buddies and be their host. When I first started, I got apply or I got hired at the general contracting company. I was only going to be there for three months because I was supposed to go on to like a three month tour. Okay. And then that fell through. So they found out I did stand up, mm. but it was good. Like I don't like employers knowing, but um, I feel that. It's just like one the architecture firms knew and I didn't and I feel like anytime I slipped up or was like late, I feel like they associated it to my side hustle. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, No, I can assure you that's me being a piece of shit. It has nothing to do with <laughs> comedy. Yeah, yeah. So but it's weird now because, you know, I and I busted my ass and I never wanted anyone in the um, G C field to know and I just worked really hard to get to like the PM position, which mm-hmm. is like basically run you know, I bid jobs, I run them. It's like a you know, it's I, I like it. So it's weird now because, you know, cut to today, stand-up's getting way better. I tour now. They do know, but it's, I have, I'm like two-faced where at my day job, I'm like so serious to the point where they can't fathom I do comedy. Mm-hmm. Like they get, every now and then I'll joke around and I give them a glimpse of it and they, it's starting to kind of merge a little more, but I'm still super serious and comedies you know getting better where I'm more on the internet now and like to the point where one day my boss came to my desk and he's like hey I saw your YouTube and I was just like Jesus Christ I'm getting fired right now and like luckily (laughs) he liked it but that's basically like where I'm at now it's just like work during the day I want to do stand-up full-time uh but it's just like one of those things where financially like entertainment doesn't come around for so long so I do like my job it's what I went to school for for the most part Mm -hmm. so it's nice to get like my professional, like secure side over here. And then, then the, like yeah. my left side of my brain is the comp, the comedian who's yeah. like wild, like running out doing crazy stuff. And it's nice to like be grounded while doing this like crazy thing. That's, there's no guarantee. Absolutely. So that's basically. Okay. I have to ask, is that why your place is well-designed because of your 
architecture. I'm gonna say yes. I think because you know, I was I was I'm I'm looking around. And I'm like, okay, did you design? Did you like put this together, or did yes. a girl do it for you? Because this, this is not usually a guy yeah. that knows how to design. The pink is uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the drapes, <laughs> no. Yeah, I think like any designer, like I think it's just. It has to be six or I'm sorry, yeah, six years of architecture schooling and okay. them drill. Like, although we never did interior, but like I right. painted all that stuff. Like, I'm just I've always been like yeah. creative, so it's okay. like, uh, yeah, I think that has to do with it. Yeah, hands down, better be. My mom's <laughs> like, I hope so, unless you need to go to school for that. So ten years in the making. That's yeah. obviously a long time. Mm -hmm. So share like your beginning phase of the the sucking part of comedy. Well, I'm still in that part. I mean, I I, I would <laughs> I would argue like you're really fucking funny, and every time I could, <laughs> I really like your humor, but like you know, I think a lot of people, I think especially today, I mean, I think the older generation, especially the core millennial, I'm assuming you're like mainly okay, you're millennial. So I feel like Gen Z, for example, those on TikTok right now, right? Right, right, right. And even people my age, because I'm 23, a lot of them are at least in my opinion don't really have the grit to stick through the, the sucky years right like just because of how accessible everything is and how right. everything looks like overnight success whereas the years that you went through you were not seeing like tiktok and reels right. and all the well, things instagram wasn't even like a thing exactly though. right like you're not seeing people like explode i over feel so post. old real quick when i go instagram wasn't <laughs> a thing when i was around they all lame i sound saying that out loud that's oh funny. my gosh yeah. um but what was your mentality going through i guess like to get through those years and i guess you're still saying today you're you're in that phase like what is getting you through that because i think a lot of people struggle with that I think when you do any creative thing, and there's like an Ira Glass quote that I've actually, I'm going to look up now, but while I'm talking is mm -hmm. like, when you start comedy, you, and you're doing bad deep down, you go, I know I suck now, but I'm better than this. Okay. And I'm learning. And it's like anybody who, you know, when you go through college, like when you're in architecture and you look at like, like for me, like or any schooling that you do, like maybe it was different because with architecture, it's more of a visual thing. But like anything you do, you're like, when you first do it, you're like, you know, you're not good, but you're like, I know I can be better at this. Mm. And it's kind of like that where you're chasing the rabbit or like the carrot of like, yeah, I'm getting good, but I know I can do better. And then you just grind at it. And it's like crazy just how fast time flies. But I, I it was probably, you know my stubbornness that was like I want to be better and like mm -hmm. honestly being out here you see the really good guys and if you have a good ear and this is something in comedy that you see a lot of but like if you have a good ear and you watch your set and then you watch somebody who's like crushing you're like oh there's a difference there like mm -hmm. laughs per okay. minute just like rapid fire wow, okay. so you're like I'm not at that level yet so it's like it's always like striving to keep going and mm -hmm. that's hands down why like I, I wasn't gonna quit I'm just stubborn so how do you not like, I guess here's a better question. How do you not let the comparison affect your ability to, or your desire to continue to get better? You know how some people- There's like ego involved. Right, like how do you be. get over that? But Especially it, as a comedian, and I, this already being a hard profession. Because I think like, it's funny, there's some people where they see, they're like, I saw someone do so good that I threw my notebook away and I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. Where I never say this out loud, but it's like, you have to have some sort of like, ego like I can do that though like mm. that's when I started comedy going okay. back to the camp counselor kid where I saw him do it and I go I can do better than that okay, and that's like I like, like stand up and it's like it sounds douchey to say out loud but like everybody has to have like you have to be your biggest enemy but also your biggest supporter where you're like talking yourself up and you know saying those things because um like even when I watch like Bill Burr and like Dave Chappelle and all these guys it's like I know it's gonna sound psychotic to say but like I want to get that level and I honestly think like if I bust my ass you could like I think their life experiences and who they are it's they're saying different things but I think you know it's not impossible to do so mm -hmm. why not like you know and again it's like this is where having a day job it's like I have a life outside of comedy mm -hmm. I don't need stand-up so it's like I might as well just like go like shoot for the stars at least and right. you know fail miserably because I'm like at the end of the day I can just quit and go live my life and that never happened I right. think so right okay I don't let I, I, I try not to let things like discourage me if anything 
when you're in a moment where like somebody's crushing and you're like questioning your own talent it's mm-hmm. it's to question your talent of like okay we have to get to that level now mm-hmm. how do I do that so it's not like pushing me away if anything it's like pulling me further into mm. you know working my ass off so. so you never have issues with comparison at least oh 100% like there I'm comparing myself constantly to other people and it's like that's why comedy is so hard because it's like everyone thinks it's like oh it's just a bunch of silly people making funny <laughs> things like do you know how competitive it is to the point where like people like if you talk to comedians they're like you have a lot of acquaintances in comedy but mm-hmm. the amount of like comic friends you can have is so actually pretty small because like it's so many I don't want to say alphas but just like egos mm. clashing and it's com- it's like competitive and there's people who are your friend one second and then you're like they do this shady shit and you're like oh that's not my friend that's a guy who was using me to get here like mm. it's it's pretty nuts like and it's shitty but uh but then like I you know like I see people crush and I'm comparing myself constantly to the point where sometimes you compare yourself where it takes you off your your course Mm-hmm. And you're like, should I be doing that now? Like, I don't, you know, Bill Burr has a good quote where he's like, he's like, I remember when you're coming up and somebody's crushing doing like internet videos and you're so, everyone's so like, uh, dazed of how to get like to the next level that they're like, wait, do I do internet videos now? Rather mm-hmm. than their path doing something else. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly comparing. If anything, I try to just put blinders on and just like, not even look at my peers because right. the second you do that, you they start to influence you yeah. inadvertently and you start maybe doing something they're doing, which actually what you shouldn't be doing. And mm-hmm. it's pretty nuts. But Yeah. Going back to your childhood, and, and I know you said like, you know, growing up you were funny in, in ways and people would comment on that and maybe like suggest you going into stand up. Could you remember any time that you really felt like this was something you had like a knack for or or do, was it just something that later on developed? No, it's, it's like I never thought it's it's such a weird thing because growing up like I remember making my mom and stepdad and stepbrother stepbrother my mom, sister, stepdad and stepbrothers laugh. But I never like looked at like it's it's such a weird thing to say but like I never looked at it like I'm funny. I I thought okay. of like I know how to make them laugh. Okay. I didn't know that meant I was funny though. Okay. Which is such a weird disconnect. Right. So, and early on, I knew, hey, if I make fun of myself or if I put myself in a self-deprecating, I don't even know the term self-deprecating, but I knew back then if I shit on myself, yeah. they laughed at it. Or okay. if I was like this, the idiot in the story I'm telling or something and I'm telling an embarrassing story about me, people laughed at it. So I knew how to make people laugh that way. And then another thing, which I knew early, I, I picked up on early on, I was like, I make my mom laugh when I'm trying to understand a situation and I tell her a metaphor. Like I wasn't trying to be funny, but like if something's happening, I go, that's like if, and I say a metaphor for mm. it because I'm trying to understand it and she would laugh, which okay. that's a style of comedy that I didn't even know back then. Okay. So it's kind of weird. Like she, I, I was like why is she laughing? I'm literally trying to understand this. She's like (laughs) laughing at what I'm saying right now. So it's like, I was so blinded by like ever thinking I'm funny because all my friends were so funny to me that I, if anything, I was trying to be funny to them Mm -hmm. when in actuality, they're always like, no, you were the funny one. I was like, I had no idea like growing up that that's why even now I'm like, I still don't think I'm funny to be honest with you. There's days I don't think I'm funny at all. But Okay. So you, I feel like you got into comedy in, in a organic way or whatever. Did you later on, when you realized you wanted to pursue it, at least as a side hustle, did you start looking to the actual, I don't know, like, is there like a textbook on like, like comedy, like the, the types of sketches you write? I don't know. There, like obviously is I'm there very, like the, because I'm like, it's weird. I'm, I'm artistic, but like, I'm very right side of my brain where I like the free flowy, like creative stuff, but like, I love when there's structure to things and I love the process of like going to school for this and learning the steps to Mm -hmm. get better. So like, actually when I started, I remember downloading an audio book about comedy because I was just like, okay, I'm going to learn, I'm going to listen to this. I I know I won't be good, but I'll get the ground, like literally like right here. Like that's, I don't know. That's something completely different, but it's like, I have books on it where it's like, I'm going to listen to audiobooks. I'm going to learn how to write a joke. I'm going to, you know, do all my research because that's what school taught you to do. Okay. I'm going to do my precedent studies and all this crap. And then I'm going to go do it, which I did. 
And it's funny because that is like 0.01% of actually getting into it. Okay. Like you have to, it's all just put getting, jumping in the deep end and sucking and mm-hmm. figuring it out. But <laughs> sucking. <laughs> and it, but it's like, I always knew I wanted to do stand up. I never like was trying to figure out like, oh, do I want to do sketches or I want to this? It was always like, I want to do stand up, get the audio book, listen to it and try to just wrap my head around it. So when I go do stand up, I was good. And okay. I have a question is for stand up. Do you actually have the, this probably sounds like a stupid question, but do you have like it's the jokes? It's a very jokes- stupid question. <laughs> Okay, do you have the jokes planned out beforehand though, or what's like the difference? Is 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 stand up and sketches different? Are they different? Very different. Okay, well, so okay, stand up is being on stage. Okay, right, right. right. Sketches like. But uh, when you're on stage, like, are the jokes already pre-prepared? It's uh, it's funny. Yeah, so I took a con- going back to it's. I'm gonna blend the first question of textbooks. So I took a stand up class when I came out here. Um, at at a comedy club in Burbank because again I was just like I'm gonna try to go like I assumed it was that straightforward mm-hmm. go to a class you learn how to get good and then mm-hmm. you just go out and get good and be so so anyways yes they're planned the order is not for some people it's different like I personally don't like having this crazy strict order mm-hmm. but actually the the more mature I get is the order is super important but like how I look at it and how the guy who taught me he goes your set list, it can be a set list like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. but you can't be bound to it because if something happens in the moment, a true comedian has to be able to like take the joke. Say somebody spilled a drink and mm-hmm. I had a drink a joke about drinks. Mm-hmm. You have to now take that joke that might be at the end and bring it up so it seems mm-hmm. more in the moment. So okay. you have to work on your That's feet. Hard. Yeah, it's very hard. But like the more you do it, so it's like for me, I and it's tough to do and sometimes it bites you in the ass but when you do it it's great it's like you have to look at like I always know what I open with because like you want to get them quick Mm -hmm. and you know what you close with because that joke just pops hard but like from there like I look at it like my jokes are just like floating above my head and like you try to like pull them down when they make the most sense not oh it doesn't always work because sometimes the crowd's just like sitting there and you just got to make them laugh so you have an order but um and some comics, like me personally, I'm not, like, crazy scripted. Like, I mm-hmm. like having wiggle room. I don't like feeling like I'm an actor up there doing a monologue. So, mm-hmm. like, if you watched one of my jokes, like, a few times in a row, you'd see me change it a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, everyone's different. But for me personally, I'm kind of, like, I'm, like, 80% have an order and there's, like, 20% wiggle room where I don't okay. feel, like, so crazy that I'm going to lose my mind. Right. Yeah. So in stand up, um, have you ever had a time where it was like super awkward or like Yes, every single time. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, share share <laughs> the share like the worst story and like how do you overcome it on stage? I mean I mean sometimes you just gotta take the L and just fucking deal with it. Like it's it's weird because like a bomb from your first year, every year a, the, the term bombing is different, right? Mm-hmm. So your first year when you bomb, you're just not getting any laughs. <laughs> so you're just up there and it's quiet, but it's like a lot of like to people who don't do stand up, you guys think like we do stand up once a week at a show and we don't like we do open mics like in LA, like ca- comics will do open mics like multiple times a day, mm. every single day. So w- within that, you're on stage 15 plus times a week, whether it's an open mic or a show, there are gonna be times where people just don't make a noise. Mm-hmm. So you actually you experience it so much. And this okay. is the veil of comedy that, you know, TV and everything doesn't portray, which they mm-hmm. shouldn't. But it's like, we're funny, like, when we're coming up with new material, we're funny, like, 30% of the time. thirty. To, so it's like, it's so bad so often because it's just new shit that you're just trudging through where mm-hmm. we're used to. So it's like, my first year, I remember going up and you do all jokes and no one laughs and you just fucking eat it. And you're just like, in the moment, you're just in shock and you're just doing your jokes. It's after the show where it sinks in and your adrenaline goes away where you're like oh that sucked it's like when you fall (laughs) off your bike in the moment it doesn't hurt it hurts the next day yeah yeah. so but like for me now like uh like i remember one time i went to huntington beach probably like four years ago with my buddy who was headlining and it was just like some mexican birthday party and i think like they liked my first joke and then literally just heckled me the rest of the show like they just didn't even let me get a joke out and you're just like you're just in the moment like you're like how do i navigate this because you learn little tricks of like okay if they're being loud maybe i talk louder or if they are 
not, if they're quick laughers, you know, you gotta, you have to bring more jokes, but, uh, mm-hmm. I think that that show sucked because they just like heckled me, but like, it was just like, they weren't, and my, my rebuttals just weren't landing. So then mm-hmm. they heckled me more. And okay. then the guy, I was supposed to do eight minutes and he lit me at like four. <laughs> so like, then, then you had to get off stage. You're like, what the fuck is happening right now? Oh my gosh. Um, but now bombing for me, it's like, I can get off stage and you can watch my set. And you're like, that was good. But like, I know each one of my jokes, how much laughter I should get out of each mm, joke. Okay. And if I don't get that, it pisses me off, like mm. beyond belief. And I'll come off stage mad. Mm. And you're like, oh, that was good. I'm like, it was a shit set. Don't fucking talk to me. Because I got 50% out of each joke when I should have got 100. And right. then now I'm questioning why. And then you go into this like self-sabotage like well you're not funny and that joke's trash and it should be better and then you're just like it's this vicious cycle interesting it's for psychos (laughs) (laughs) what's your what's the biggest obstacle you'd say you face so far in in your years of comedy like what's just the biggest hurdle i think for there's a few things i think one and I guess something like everyday people don't know like especially me like like i said i i don't know differences between certain things but i think I think it's kind of important for people to understand that like comedy is not easy. I mean, people know that, but like they don't know certain things that only people in the industry know. I think the biggest obstacle to like relate it to my J job, it's how unfair it is in the sense that it's never the same twice. Like imagine going to your day job and you do something and it's right one day. And then the next day you do the same thing and they go, this is fucking wrong. Mm. So like for me, I can show up one day and do jokes and they crush and it's the best show ever. And the next day I do the same thing and it bombs. Mm. Like there's, you're always walking on an unlevel floor. Like it's always just so uncertain, which it's weird. That's the shittiest thing about it, but that's the best thing about it because it keeps you, it makes you reset every day for every show so like that's but as a complaint it's shitty because you're like you feel like you never are good you feel like you're constantly at an uphill battle um i think and whether people want to admit this or not there is like a self-sabotage of like you know seeing your peers excel when you know like comedy and entertainment's a thing where you know, you can pop off and your talent isn't there, but it's just like the comedy and entertainment gods are like, you're going to go over here now. (laughs) And it's like, you see jaded people and it's like, it's inevitable. Like I've been doing this 10 years. I I really am trying to like reset and like, I don't give a fuck about anyone anymore because Mm -hmm. I have my job and it's luckily, but it's like, it's inevitable not to feel like jealousy every now and then of Mm -hmm. like, and I guess you guys, anybody can feel that in any profession, but I feel like in entertainment when it's just such a hard thing and you just see some people just get like shit handed to them but I guess that's any profession so that right but that's a that's definitely one thing how do you navigate that now with social media because obviously I'm sure when you when you first started you weren't posting any videos or the stuff like you do today that wasn't even a thing right right honestly sketches online were like there was nowhere to post them it was like Mm -hmm. Facebook like when I went to school (laughs) and I don't you couldn't even do videos like you can post a video but like I didn't know anybody posting silly video you know what I'm saying um like, how do you see social media today in, in scaling your, like, your profession in, in this area? It's insanely. It's, like, literally, more, I, I talk to people now, it's, like, almost more important than going out every night and doing comedy. Mm. Because now, unlike back in the day, and I, I don't even know how it worked back in the day. That's how much I'm focused on social media, where it's, like, that's your, that's eventually going to be your fan base. Mm-hmm. Those are the people... When I do stuff for social media, I don't like, I take it so serious because that's the people who will buy tickets to come see you live, which mm-hmm. will give you a career basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like when people are like, I'm not going to do social media. That's stupid. I'm like, you're literally like the stubborn comic from the nineties who mm-hmm. didn't want to go on MySpace, <laughs> and your career is literally going to like inevitably run dry. And, um, I just think it's like the most important thing and a lot of comics like every comic talks about it now like I mm-hmm. open for this you know famous people like Drew, the kid I opened for Drew Lynch like he's a perfect example like he was on America's Got Talent and you get okay. a huge pop from that show right and I've seen a lot of people get huge pops from that show but they don't pivot that that following mm. and it just slowly kind of tapers out so they have a year of sold out shows and then it kind of goes away but Drew um and I you know I try to you know, follow his footsteps where he 
got a ton of YouTube subscribers because he made videos. He had all these people, so he made a ton of um, YouTube subscribers. Instagram videos, he chopped up his clips, put them on there. Mm. And now I open for him, and you see his shows are sold out within like a week when they go on sale. So it's like, that literally is your fan base. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, arguably, like, but then again, you want to be funny for them when they come out. So you still have to go out and work. But I think you, like, you have to devote arguably, I would say like 60 to 70%, like your craft, but like a hard 40% to like social media and content and being like active and, and like being in your fans face. So they're, you're like relevant, you know? Yeah. So how long does it take you to do one, um, I guess like sketch, like on Instagram, like the videos I see, like the actual feed posts, not the reels. How long does it take you to do that? Like, especially when you're Which doing one. one? So not the real, like just something else. Um, I don't know. Maybe they are reels, but no, I'm pretty sure it's like the one I see on your feed, like your actual feed mm-hmm. where it's like just you. So obviously I'm sure you're filming like multiple cuts of it. Right, like right, you're right. walking the door and then it's like you're on the couch, but like <laughs> obviously like you film that in different cuts. Like how long does that whole process take? It's weird because like the one I did for like Bumble, I knocked out in like two seconds because I just walked. I knew what I wanted to say. Okay. It's when there's dialogue, it takes a little longer. But like when I did the one like a Bumble combo where she walks in and goes, oh my God, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then closes. I can do that in one take. Okay. And then I can do my other line, which I said one thing. So that one was super easy. It took all of, you know, a half hour to do. But then I've done some where like yesterday I shot one and I think I probably, I shot it, shot it and I did two different versions of it. And I think it was probably like an hour and a half. It was just me like trying to get it like right. So Mm -hmm. I would say like average those two together, probably like 45 minutes between like shooting it but that's when you have the idea you know okay. what I'm saying the idea is something that takes forever I don't like right. that's why I have these written down because I don't want to forget them but mm-hmm. like um I think like a probably like an hour but that's just because I'm low budget just like me and my tripod and my phone yeah and then I just knock the thing out you know and then how long does it usually take to edit like the that's w- that's with filming and editing. oh really okay. editing I'm quick it's easy to edit like once you bring it in you know I'm pretty good of like because it's me, it's in my head, I film both parts, so mm-hmm. I, it's easy for me to like overlap them and just cut it and make it, put it together. Yeah. Um, it's when I film it bad and I have to go back and refilm it. So like, there's like these little variables, like if I film it bad and then I sit down and I get through 70% done editing and I realize I fucked up a part, I have to go back and re-edit it. So, okay. Or reshoot it and then you're back to square one, but I think like an hour-ish. Okay, okay. From start to finish. Yeah. Um, do you have like friends and family back home that like see all this content? I'm assuming. Oh yeah. <laughs> How do they feel about it? Cause obviously, I, you know, East coast is very different. Like, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's different. They're very different. Right. And all like Northeast, especially like right. from, you know, Massachusetts or whatever the most, is that the most Northern on that? Maine. Okay, I'm sorry, but everything Some like East Coast are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Connecticut's up there. <laughs> I mean, like basically all of Northeast and New England, whatever. Like all of it's very similar. I think in in the it's fun- conservative. Yes, it's it's the foundation. Not like of thinking. politically, but just like lifestyle wise. Yes, yes, yeah. lifestyle wise, and like you said, entertainment is out of the picture. Let's put it this way: I hate doing shows back home. I've done two, and I I've done three, and I literally can't tell you how much I fucking hate doing them. Why? Boston Do they not awful. get it? Or is it because my, it's just like weird? So like with my life and like my family, there it's like my day job and my comedy side. Mm-hmm. Like my family knows me as Matthew, the kid who went to school for architecture. And it's like, I never was that comedy side in front of them. Like right. I was just a polite little kid. I played sports <laughs> and all this shit. Like, yo, my... With my friends, I'd be weird and all that shit, but, like, um, it's, like, almost like they're watching somebody they didn't know, in a mm-hmm. way, so it's, like, and it's weird sometimes, like, my first show ever there, my mom cried, oh, let's really? put it that way, <laughs> and my friends are, like, I think they're just so, like, they're seeing a side of me they never knew, it's weird for them to, like, versus strangers who are loving it, right? so, um, did, did they ever have objections of you being in this profession? No. Um, my like, mom is very... First off, I want to go back to my, my mom cried because people are probably like, wait, you cried? <laughs> she is like... She loves joking around and having fun and all that stuff, but I think 
when they all went to my first show, there was like 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And anytime I did like a couple of jokes, she was, she would, uh, she was a hairdresser girl when I was growing up mm-hmm. and I did a joke about how she would discipline me via haircut. <laughs> a lie. It's a fucking lie. But obviously when that happened, everyone looked at her and then I did a joke about how my grandmother would watch me and when old people sneeze, they scream. So it was scary. <laughs> so it's like, she cried over silly stuff like that where my mom, my sister's like, why are you crying? And she's, she just didn't like it. So it's not like, oh, I was she like, didn't like the jerk. She didn't like it. Cause she's like, why are you making fun of your grandmother? Uh, and she's like, I never cut your hair like that. I'm like, mom, it's comedy. Like she did. She's that where she doesn't uh, understand embellishing. I think a lot of like conservative, like people over there, like, don't understand it though right they're just well it's funny. I don't know, at least from my experience like i'll like throw jokes like that within my family too but that also could just be a cultural thing but, but it just sails over their head yeah they're just like what the fuck did you just say yeah i'm i'm to this day i swear to god i'm still i can make my mom and sister and them laugh but sometimes i make them laugh and i'm like why did they just laugh at that i still they're like that's like my comedy goal is to understand what the hell they like <laughs> okay. and it's getting better i've done shows there last may and they they enjoyed it more but every time it's just like weird mm-hmm. um what was the question you asked if your family has ever been like oh like you know matthew you should not be doing this like stay focused think, on your day job well it's funny because i think i know my mom and family so well where that's why i busted my ass with the day job so I didn't have to cross the bridge. You hear every other comedian and artist be like, you're fighting with your parents. Mm. Like my mom, I can be like, she knows I have a good J job. She knows I'm doing well there. So as long as there's that, she can't get mad at the comedy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I get that. So mm-hmm. now that I, it's like this strategy where I go, if I'm doing good here, now when I talk about comedy, she can't be like, why are you doing that? Cause she knows I love doing it. Mm. So it's, and it's funny because over the years now she's warming up to me doing comedy and actually to the point now where, now where I think I can, I'm starting to realize she wants me to do certain comedy things and not others. Like, so (laughs) I post the cooking with Maddie stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw it. so she's like, I love you. She's like, that cooking stuff. She goes, you should just, you should do that. She's like, do the <laughs> cooking stuff. And I know she's saying that because it's wholesome and it's not my arguably more, I don't want to say dirtier side, but like some of my other clips okay, are. but your dirty jokes are so funny. Right. But it's like, so, so it's like now she's like, okay, you're, she's cool with me in comedy, but now she's like, do the fun cooking stuff. Don't be like, cause like, I feel like she doesn't want. She doesn't want people to, like, look at her and be like, oh, her son is the okay. guy who talks about penis. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. it's not that, and no one's ever, like, been discouraging. And then, but then, like, my stepdad and that side of the family, although my mom and stepdad split up when I was in high school, I mm-hmm. still, like, I'm very close to them. And mm-hmm. they're different where, like, they're not vocal and they're not, like, no one's ever, like, how's it going, all this stuff, but, like... Mm-hmm. One thing I did appreciate from him one year, he sent me a Christmas card and he's like, keep chasing your dream, which I'm mm. like, that's the, that's the most straightforward thing I've ever got from anybody wow. on the East Coast towards my entertainment. Okay. Like that little, and I still have the card yeah. because I've never had any of them be like, how's comedy? Like how's it's, and it's kind of like this thing where I'm oddly doing it now to get some sort of like interest from them. Although mm-hmm. I, th- I know they care about me and all this stuff, but they're not like very blatant about like they're not very curious about how it's going maybe they are and I'm Mm -hmm. just like being stubborn and like why don't you ask about it more but Mm -hmm. I don't get too many like uh direct inquiries about like how things are going you know okay so but I don't think they give a fuck that I do it yeah so would you say I guess uh for someone who's listening and maybe regardless if it's comedy or just like any kind of profession or career they want to pursue and their fear is that and you've said it yourself other comedians definitely have that argument with parents like you know pursuing this because it's so like it's it's not guaranteed right Right. what's your advice then I mean obviously didn't sound like you had as much difficulty with overcoming it but because you had the job I think that's the thing okay have if you're anyone listening if you're whether it's comedy or not if you're thinking about doing something that is one of those out uh, unorthodox professions mm-hmm. anything in entertainment mm-hmm. where pay is never guaranteed mm-hmm. it's you know there's no structure to it if i have to give advice and i even tell comics now it's like get a day job and just have the peace of mind that you're financially fine mm-hmm. and you're you're like 
wrapping your head around and like checking all the boxes on that side of your life mm-hmm. because anything in entertainment or art or arts or any creative pr- profession it takes so long mm-hmm. that like it I you can't just be like the barista who like does that and then in two years your career pops off maybe it does happen for some people right. but 99% of the people I see out here it takes like at least eight to 10 years to really like get somewhere like, yeah, some people after five, but you know, I would recommend like get your life together and then go out for, and I'll use comedy for example, like get a job, you know, you could have a career job. Maybe some careers are more demanding, but I think it's still possible to like get a job and then go sign up for an open mic, mm-hmm. wrap your head around it, and then just keep pursuing it and then keep getting better and better. And then you'll start to see like, okay, is this taking off? Is this becoming something real? But it's not impossible to juggle a job and mm-hmm. something that's creative. I think people don't want to because they're personally lazy. Right. But right. I would recommend that 100%. Are you spending most of your free time, downtime, and weekends like doing the comedy stuff then? Yeah, like, you know, it's to the point now where I don't even look at it as, like, a job. It's just, like, my life now. Right, right. It's, like, my downtime is, like, me driving and thinking about what sketch I can do because Mm -hmm. I just like doing that. But, like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you, when you leave, I'm going to shoot, like, two sketches. Mm -hmm. And then I'm always thinking about stuff. But, like, I have a normal life. Like, I golf and I go do, like, stuff like that. But Normal life. (laughs) Yeah. But even, like, when, even during that, my brain's always, like thinking about jokes or that's just like how we're I'm wired though it's mm-hmm. not like like somebody who said to Jerry Seinfeld like are you always trying to think of jokes and he goes that's just what I do though he's mm-hmm. like I wouldn't want to it's not daunting to me because I generally like looking at something and trying to like pick it apart and think of like what's funny in it or whatever so mm-hmm. um just my downtime I guess okay solid speaking of normal life I want to switch it up and uh ask more of a I don't know life question outside of your career stuff but I think I remember one of your videos it was pretty much I forget it must have had to be in like a while ago but it was pretty much like picking a joke at the dating life in LA oh god probably it's all my jokes (laughs) and just like also, something about how, like, certain things, like, girls do in the beginning, or, I don't know, they, I think you had quite a few of them, and I just was like, okay, I'm definitely going to ask him something relating to dating, yeah. but I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion on LA dating life, and then in comparison <laughs> to East Coast, like, what, what are your thoughts? Like, just spit it out there, especially because I definitely dating have... Dating sucks dick in LA, <laughs> in the sense that it's just... I think LA is just a city where everyone's pursuing something. So like people date, don't get me wrong. I've had girlfriends out here, but like, it's just fucking annoying because like as a guy, like you're going on a date with a girl and there's like four other dudes she's talking to who are doing so much better than you. Like (laughs) that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people in dealing with people in entertainment where it's like, no one wants to like settle down. So like, of course, and it's like for me too, but it's like, you know, if you finally meet a girl you like, she's like, no, you know, I'm trying to, per-, you know, like mm-hmm. everyone's always busy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just douchey. Everything's expensive. Fucking girls suck. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> no, this is really fun. I asked this too, because I feel like every guy I have on this podcast now, I want to ask this question because I just love picking the brain of a guy and like they're thinking and dating. Right. What do you think is, I guess one of the biggest mistakes girls do in the early dating phase? Uh, oh, Jesus From a Christ. guy's perspective. The weird, the, you're asking a guy who's been single for three years, so Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel like for me, uh, it's, but it's like this variable is like, if I like a girl, sh- what she, something wrong for her to do something wrong has to be astronomically big. Okay. You ever think about that? Like somebody you don't really like can do something that's arguably not bad at all and you find an issue with it because you're like this psycho's texting me all the time <laughs> okay okay but fair. then if like i like a girl she can fucking blow up my phone all day and i'm like this girl's hot <laughs> so it's like okay i think um i think some people it is like maybe take it slow like i don't know like don't be up each other's ass right away like if a girl like you know maybe if i even do like her like don't blow each other up constantly. Don't right. be like, you know, I've had girls like 
you know, if you don't reply to a text, they throw you a question mark. You're like, who's doing that? Like, why would you yeah. throw me a question mark? It's texting. We have mm-hmm. fucking time to, so right. it's like you're copping an attitude and we don't even know each other yet. This is right. not a good sign. And like, um, so the whole, to, to insert into that, the whole, like not reading into the, the idea of how long it takes them to text back. Cause I, I would say I've heard at least my, everyone does it though. Right. Like if a girl, if I text I mean, something to a girl and I, it's been 20 minutes, I'm like, Oh, she hates me. She's probably dating. Oh, you, okay. Okay. You feel like you, I feel the same. I think okay. it's a very double edged sword where the things I'm saying, I don't like, I do the same thing. Okay. So I, I feel like it's rare for guys to admit that, but Jesus Christ, who, what stallions are you having on your show? I will admit that <laughs> all day long. Well, I'll ask guys in like normal everyday conversations too. Cause I think like so many girls will go to their girlfriends to ask for dating advice. And in my opinion, it's like slightly counterintuitive in certain areas for, because to, for a girl to ask a girl. Yeah. Because because what they're doing is it's not always like going to work. And I feel like you, you kind of have to pick the brain of the person you're actually communicating with. So like, that's a very good point. Like the male, obviously everyone has different preferences, but at least you'll find kind of like the spectrum and like the range of it. Right. Right. And the kind of like the common denominator in a sense. So I feel like what you're saying as well is, is the whole, yet yeah, obviously don't be up each other's ass. And, <laughs> Put it politely. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like, don't look into the whole, like, how long they, the, the, I don't know, the gap, the text gap too much. Don't be much. fucking crazy. That's it. Don't be crazy. If a girl, that's what I don't want. Don't be fucking, whatever that means to you. Dude, I had a girl literally not long ago. We go on a couple dates. Sorry, my eyes are watering. Um, crying already. <laughs> Dude, this, this is an LA thing that pissed me off beyond belief. This girl I know, or I, I hung out with a few times. She has a podcast. It finds out that one of her co-hosts, or she knows someone that was on The Bachelor. And in mm. a passing, I go, "Oh, my buddy was a producer for The Bachelor, right?" Mm. So we go on a couple of dates. This any other? This girl goes to me, "Hey, can you send me the email for your producer friend so I can apply to be on The Bachelor?" And I was just like, "That is the most LA shit that's I've ever so had happen, weird. like that." And then, so like that's like a thing where I'm like, first off, what the fuck are you doing?" So I was like, uh, that rubbed me the wrong way. You remind me, I don't want to date people in entertainment because that's an entertainment thing. I go, why would you ever fucking do that? And then it's funny, she, in the midst of me not replying to any of her texts because I was done, she sent a video of her FaceTiming a dude because she was consulting with a guy about our situation and they were both trashing me. And I'm like, as a guy, I go, that's what pissed me off is like when girls go to guys, it's like, that guy wants to fuck her so bad where he'll he'll <laughs> ignore that I'm right to be tell her that she's right. And I was just like, yo, fuck this dumb shit. It was just like the most asinine thing. So that's dating in LA for you. Oh he's like, gosh. he's a pussy. And I was like, bro, I didn't even know you. <laughs> you suck. I think it's really psycho that she sent you a screen recording. Of it was the a video. Face, like the, It was the like, the last, say, you're, say you're FaceTiming somebody. Okay. She had the phone like to the side. And she's like, so what does he think? And it's like, the guy had a few points, but I'm oh. like, dude, that's dating out here. That's oh. why, that, and like, dude, I swear to God, every instance like that, where it's like, you just meet fucking people who are ego driven, like in entertainment. And I have these weird situations and it reminds me that I just want to pursue my craft and I actually like don't want to date as much. Like yeah. I, I have that instance. It's like the damn Groundhog's Day where mm-hmm. they scare me like I saw my shadow and then I go hide. I deleted all my apps and I go hide for a couple months, <laughs> make some dick videos that I put on Instagram and then I sneak back out, meet another fucking crazy person and then I go shy away for another six months. Next thing you know, I've been single for three years and I'm like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I almost want to move back home and just date a normal girl and then just like marry her and be like, hey, do you want to come to LA so I can do my stupid bullshit? <laughs> I swear to God, that's like what it's like. Legit? Do you think you'll do that? No, honestly, like, my goal is to have, be bi-coastal where, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I have a nephew back home and, like, my family, so, like, my goal, I'm actually putting pressure on myself now um, to, what's it called, get famous enough where, like, when I'm touring, I can have a place in Connecticut mm-hmm. so I can live there while I'm touring because I don't have to be out here, but also be out, have this place out here so I can, like, still do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to meet someone there, then that'd be good. Right. I think when you're bi-coastal and you actually have money, you can, like... Yeah. My buddy now dates a girl in Vermont, like, Drew. Like, granted, she lives up here with him now. Like, he met her when he was touring, but, like, when you have 
you're famous and you have money, you can date anywhere. Right, anywhere, so. right, right. Um, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I personally, that's my goal too, is to be bi-coastal, especially because I'm from the East Coast. Are so. they still in Pennsylvania? My parents are, oh, yeah. Nice. I don't I don't want to be in Pennsylvania. I actually want to be in New York. I mean, like the two most expensive cities. It's like a rough life. But nice. um, no, maybe like years from now, maybe five years. Right, but, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, but, you know, and then dating, me dating on the East Coast, so I had like, you don't really date much. I had like a girlfriend for like four years in college and then, you know, that was done. I'm very like, I feel like I date someone for a long time and then the uh, breakup's messy and it makes me not want to date again. And then I'm single for a long time and then I date for a long time and then I stop. Yeah. So like, but back, you know, back home, it's like dating's just like, it's nice to like meet somebody. And I tell myself now when I meet, meet people not in entertainment, it's like the most refreshing thing mm -hmm. because they don't care about Instagram they don't care about producers they don't mm -hmm. like when I meet someone now and like that's the topic of conversation and it's like you feel them wanting to nudge their way in to you like utilize something you have you're just like are we doing this already mm -hmm. right now you know like mm -hmm. that's what I don't like mm -hmm. so I mean, speaking of that, though, can I have the producer? I'm just yeah, kidding. I'll give it to you. I don't give a fuck. You can have it. But the girl, no, I was I like... I could never... I don't, I dude, could never literally, we're like... I read the text, and she even admitted it was weird to ask me. And I was just like... It was almost funny. I was just like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> My, everyone I tell, they like laugh. Is he still the producer of the show? I think so. Oh, really? Or he's one of. There's like... Okay. shows have a, there, a ton of producers. Ton. Yeah. I know it's funny... The fucking girl tried spinning it like I offered it to her. I go, no, I didn't offer it to you. One, I didn't because I'm the guy that was dating you and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then two, I go, I don't even know him that well. He's a buddy. He's like yeah. my friend, but I would never offer his email. I go, no yeah. one does that. Yeah. Like, why would I ever give an email to a fucking girl that I barely know? Yeah. That's fucking dating out here in a nutshell. Dating sucks anywhere. I'm sure people in fucking Pennsylvania can have their <laughs> Amish dating stories or whatever. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Okay, well, back to the serious stuff. Uh, I guess, what's your long-term goal? I guess, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Realistically, my goal is to have a following where even if I'm in it a good amount or, like, I just want to be able to go tour and the show is my show. Mm -hmm. Like, right now, I'm an opening act and you go to these cool sold-out venues, but it's not because of me. Mm -hmm. And I want to be just like a self-sufficient. My goal is to be able to quit my job, although I love my job and I actually want to try to keep it as long as I can because right. like, why wouldn't you if you can juggle them? But my goal is to like be able to say when you come over, this is because of comedy. I like, I'm self-sufficient in comedy. I make my own videos and I get my own fans. I can mm -hmm. tour on my own because my fans want to come out and see me. Right. And I'm just like, even if I'm like a small, I look at it like a small business or I'm like a big business, like a Kevin Hart, although I'm not going to be that big, but like, I just want to be like making my, my brand grow mm -hmm. and like be, not have to depend on anybody else, mm -hmm. at least for stage time, like right. other comedians. Like right. I want to be able to fucking go to a club in LA and let them throw me up or go on the road and have like a venue be like hey Matt we sold out because of you this is awesome like have yeah. that pressure like I want that to be like my thing that's dope you yeah. know what would be really cool if you I don't know if this would be ever of interest to you but I watched um I think it was like a new comedy series on Amazon Prime it was oh, coming to the stage yeah, it was a, well, no, it was, just, it was like just, it was like the guys, it was like the comedian's show. His name was like Jimmy O something. He was on, um, he, he's Asian. He, he was oh, Jimmy on, O. Yang? Yes. I know him. Yeah. I, I, he's a guy, when I say I know him, I met him at Flappers in Burbank and we, I like, if I saw him, I'd be like, what's up, man? And we, but then he okay. just like went like, and like blew up the complete other way. But like yeah. when I knew him, he was like getting on like whatever shows and like, he was good, but like. Next, you know, he's on what's, what's that famous like movie or show that he was on? Silicon Valley. Yes, that one. Okay. Yeah. He's so good in that. Really? I, I didn't even see that, it's but such I, a I fun have show. guys that like watch that show, and then I came across his uh, new show like on Amazon Prime, and I like watched it. He's and it killing was, it right now. It was so funny, and I was like, I don't know, that, is that something that would ever interest know, you? What is like a uh, like a they follow him around? No, it's literally just him on. It's obviously produced by Amazon or whatever, but like. It's him on stage, and I guess it's live as well, but technically they, they create episodes of it. But they only oh. have had one episode so far, but it was fucking hilarious. I mean, he really? roasted the Asian culture, uh, and I fucking loved it um, personally, but <laughs> it was so fucking funny. And I was like, damn, like they should have more of this. I mean, I, obviously they do for other... I, 
other comedians, but like it was honestly it was, anything right now. Like I'm more than like I would one thousand percent do something like that. Yeah. I think like honestly anything to have like a network even want to work with you would just be like mm-hmm. the biggest like compliment on earth. Right. So like one thousand percent, I would do anything like yeah. that. Like maybe like I wouldn't. I would want it to be more catered to like what I do. I haven't seen the show. Maybe it is or like, but I think honestly to have anybody, that's the thing you're chasing in comedy and entertainment, but like comedy per se is just validation Mm -hmm. and like to, to get to these levels that where you're like, okay, if I'm here, I'm validated that Mm -hmm. I'm good enough. And like, I'm in the ground, I'm in the area where I'm starting to feel better about it. I'm still, I still question myself constantly but like when you're at that level where you have networks putting money into you, mm-hmm. you I feel like your confidence goes through the roof and your comedy probably gets better because you're just like not just doubting the shit of yourself. Where like, is this good? Am I good? Like when you're like, oh, the, all these people support me. I feel better about what I'm doing and I'm not going to second guess putting these things out there. Right. And when I was a nobody and I'm like text literally like I have two versions of one of my sketches that I was texting to my friends mm. writing is this funny okay like somebody who has a network sucking their dick would just put it out because I go oh I'm funny I know right what I'm so, right yeah interesting okay well. one last question it's something I ask every guest on the show these questions fuck me because sometimes it's like <laughs> My buddy goes, tell me your best poop story. And I go, <laughs> why don't you tell me that before I show up here and I sputter out some dumbass story. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. Um, no, it's, it's, it's like easy in a way. I'm sure you'll, you'll have an instinctive answer, but what fulfills you in life? Jesus fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> it's a deep question, but like... I'm the least deep person ever. Oh, really? I'm artistic and all this okay. stuff, but sometimes when people ask me, my buddy... They ask me questions and I'm like, I don't even know what word that, I don't know what that word means. No, I know what fulfill means. Um, <laughs> I really just like, I was talking to somebody about this. I like creating things mm-hmm. and it's, I'm starting to like understand who I am more and why I like architecture, why I like comedy, why I like cooking. It's like, I love when there's a bunch of things, we'll, we'll use the term for like cooking analogy where it's like. I look at things as like ingredients and I love when I have the freedom to spin them together to Mm. make something out of them. So whether it's architecture and building components, Mm -hmm. whether it's comedy with words and situations or cooking with actual food and stuff, I Mm -hmm. like taking things, a a bunch of things and then seeing how I can make, like painting, I like taking paint and being like, what the fuck can I do with all these weird colors? Right. So anything like that, I just like doing that to see what I can make out of it. And then also on top of that, as much as I do things for me, I do like more when other people enjoy it Mm. just as much, if not more. Like there is the gratification of like, like I do these paintings and I can look at them like, that's cool. But when other people are like, I fucking love that. I and like when my comedy when people can be like oh my god I had a shitty day and I watched your thing like I like when I can make something out of whatever and it makes somebody else like happy like actually enhancing their life in one something. way something whether it's okay. I can make somebody food and they go this is the best thing I've had in a while like I love that I did something that made somebody happy as mm, much as like, I like and I, if anything I get more gratification when I know it impacts someone else so versus much. like like some of these paintings, I'm like, I don't even want them. I, why am I there on my wall? I made them. Like it right. looks cool, but I'd rather somebody else be able to come home and like it, knowing right. it's somewhat something else. So, I think that's basically it. Just make. I like that answer. Impacting other people and. I care more about making other. That's why, and it's literally that's a crutch too, because or it's a bad thing because sometimes I care so much about other people mm. where I'm too considerate okay. to the point where it like it makes me hesitant to do certain things or like, I feel like I'm like overly considerate where I let people arguably like push me around because I just want to make sure they're happy mm-hmm. where I don't know when to push back at times. And it gets me scared to step. Like sometimes I will, like I'm not just this like little bitch, but like there's times where I'm like, well, I probably should have just pushed back there rather than letting them. Cause people will take, that as they can walk all over you versus right. me looking at it as like I'm letting them be happy and they're like I'm using him for his producer information so <laughs> but I think the better side of that answer for sure just like making stuff for other people awesome so. where can everyone find you share all the platforms that you are on just and- my name it's funny somebody was like send me your IG handle I go it's 2020 just look up my name like, you know <laughs> but like it's I don't know. So Twitter, I don't like Twitter. I don't know why I say Twitter first. Instagram, 
I guess Facebook. I feel like Instagram's the main one. Instagram. Does anybody even use anything else? Maybe TikTok. I don't. Do you use TikTok? I have it. I okay. TikTok's my draft folder for my Instagram sketches. Oh, so I put them on there to see how they do. Okay. The way I put my tweets on Twitter before I screenshot them and put them mm. on my Instagram. Okay. I want to see how they do elsewhere before it goes to the main. So, anyways, Maddie Chimber on Instagram. And I think everything else branched in there. I have my own podcast, Maddie Trimble Podcast, which has its own Instagram page, which I'm very bad about posting. But there are episodes up. I have 55 <laughs> of them, so I'm doing something. You have 55? You want to hear something funny? 55 over the course of like five years. Five years? No, four. Probably. Oh, you've had it for four years. I just don't. A lot of people... I did not know that. A lot of people stop doing like an episode. They'll take like a month or two off and they start over from episode one and I just keep adding them up. Because gotcha. I'm like, why am I going to like... Right, right. I'll literally go back. Episode one, one... Episode one was when I was like before my... Or I was dating my last girlfriend and we've been broken up for three years. So do the math. Like it's kind of <laughs> funny. That, but like anyways, I, I'm good now. Like... Now that people are actually like, because of the the sketches I've been putting out, mm-hmm. I've noticed I'm getting more subscribers on YouTube. Okay, so you're on YouTube as well. Yeah, YouTube as well. Um, so I've been getting more subscribers on YouTube, more views. Like, so I'm like, okay, now is the incentive to do the podcast mm-hmm. more, so people can actually like enjoy. Like, cause mine, it's like yours is very informative, and people <laughs> can come here and learn. Like, mine's just me talking like an idiot. <laughs> so it's just gonna be fans who want to hear me talk more for some odd reason. So okay, awesome. Instagram, please. Sweet Instagram. All right. Well, I'll, I'll link everything as usual, and I'll be sure to share one of my favorite sketches. Smash that here. like button. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So that was today's conversation with Maddie Chimber. I hope you guys enjoyed it and found something valuable out of this. I think if I was just listening to this in college right now, I would find a lot of hope in from, from this conversation, if that makes sense. I think for me, when I was 19, 20, 21 in college, I wanted it now. I wanted the overnight success. I wanted to get out of college and be almost at my peak and just again hearing people who I look up to like I think Maddie does an awesome job in his art his craft and really balancing it with his day job I think that's really something important to note especially for you guys who listen to this podcast I know a lot of you have ambitions and goals to do multiple things in life whether that is doing your own side hustle or not, or maybe just a matter of balancing two different passions. I want to show you guys that there are plenty of people out there doing it. I hope you guys go check out Maddie's content on Instagram and all of his social platforms, which I will link in the show notes. But like I said before, his content really is great. It's definitely something I like scrolling through on Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast if you've been loving it. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, sane, all of the above. And I will talk with you all next week.